0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Tab Geeks podcast. My name is Jesse Nolan. I'm your host and the co-founder of Tab Geeks. Today, my guest is Musa Hamad, the Director of Information Technology at Pushpay. Musa, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I appreciate the time. Yeah, pleasure. And uh, you were a attendee at Tab Geeks in the past, right? I've not yet
1: attended Tab Geeks, but I've become pretty involved in the Slack Online community and I definitely have it pinned to attend next year for sure. Yeah, I'm just just giving you guilt at this point. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: well deserved well deserved well played we
0: but we appreciate your your attendance and your participation in in the tab Geek slack group and uh we hope to have you at the next conference
1: looking forward to it
0: so um you're the director of information technology at push tell us a little bit about yourself and about push and then uh we'll get into it from there
1: yeah so as far as um me personally i think we were talking a little bit prior to coming on about just kind of our journey because you see so many folks in information technology that have such an unconventional path to where they got. And uh, I love that you wanted to give a minute to chat on that because I definitely consider myself a very non-traditional person in terms of the path that I've taken and the role that I've come into. So um, I actually was a government international politics major, um, had no idea what I wanted to do with life and just kind of fell backwards in the technology at the suggestion of an ex-girlfriend's dad who saw potential in me, because at an early age, I could Google and fix his problems. And he was the CFO at a car dealership group, nepotism at its finest. Um, And he just looks at me one day and says, hey, why don't you come be the IT guy at the car dealership? And I said, Alan, I don't know the first thing about computers. And he looks at me and he says, fake it. And literally, when I tell this story, I tell people that it was the story that changed my life. Because until that point, I was a hardworking individual, bright, but I had no idea where to apply this in a manner that could benefit me in terms of an actual career. Uh, kind of slogged my way up through being a tier one tech. Uh, you know, I like to remind my guys that uh, I set the record at a larger company that I worked for for most calls and tickets resolved in one day at 83. And so when they complain to me about a few tickets, I kind of throw that one back at them. But um, just kind of worked my way up and was really lucky enough to have some great mentors and managers and some not-so-great ones, and I was able to kind of take learnings from both of those experiences and and get to the point I got today. And I always tell people I love paying it forward and helping mentor people in their path and getting them into technology, because I think, especially today, there's so many avenues and so many ways to get into technology that can help create a meaningful career and a, and, a, and a livelihood for somebody that's unsure of what to do in life.
0: That's wonderful. Did you end up going to any kind of education for this, or it was all just self-taught from there out?
1: Jesse, I'm completely self-taught. I actually, and I think at this point, it's kind of a running joke in my life. I don't even have a certificate of any kind in terms of anything technologically. Um, I've taught myself everything I know just by when something piques my interest, I just go after it. And and really what I've learned when it comes to information technology, um, I learned so much of it at a young age growing up in a blue collar family in a smaller town in Florida. It's all about customer service. It's all about treating people right and working hard. Um, the rest just kind of takes care of itself. I mean, you can you can learn other things, you can research other things. There's so many resources out there today. I mean, being in IT is almost like cheating when it comes to all of the information available. At literally, the tip of our fingers.
0: I like to say that uh, the what, what pays me the big bucks is I'm better at Google than you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <A> thousand percent. <laughs> My Google foo is strong. Is oh yes, term I've definitely used once in a while. <laughs>
0: I was having a conversation with somebody on one of our previous podcasts, uh, and he was saying how so many of the things that we learn these days is not just self-taught, it's community taught. Because the tech community is just phenomenal and is always willing to help and to you know, pass along if somebody needs an extra uh, a push or a boost and to answer questions just because this is what we love. This is our life
1: thousand percent. And I'll say here, I'm going to make up for the fact that I haven't attended a Tab Geeks event. Shameless plug. I, I found that the Tab Geeks community is great for that. And the biggest thing I just recently brought in a couple of counterparts at other companies is it's it's, it's an ego-less environment. And, and when you can get a group of technology people who don't have an ego and are willing to do a knowledge share, it's it's definitely a beautiful thing. And it,
0: it creates a, a great environment and situation. Love it. Thank you for that. I'm going to steal the ego-less bit. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no without a doubt. I thought that the, the minute you let me into that thing, I was just like, man, this is just a group of folks that that love what they do, care about what they do, want to support their businesses in the right way and 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 you know, drop the whole ego in terms of the approach and just be willing to learn from others and it's it's a great thing.
0: Tell me a little bit about what Pushpay does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Pushpay is a company that was co-founded in New Zealand. Uh, Roughly seven, six, seven years ago now, made the jump over to the U.S. A few years later, and we are a donor engagement and management platform, pr- primarily focusing on the faith sector. We've got nearly eight thousand churches as our customers across the country, and and we work with those churches to to help drive participation and engagement from from their congregation, while also helping process the donations and the payments that come through into the church, so that they can go out and do good in the
0: community. So you're dealing with PII, personally identifiable information, as well as other uh, requirements. Are you required by law anywhere to be compliant?
1: Yeah. So we've actually done some really good work around the segregation of our processing environment versus our internal production environment. And so a lot of the, the things that sit within the internal IT stack, luckily, while we are still Subject to a lot of financial audits, and and we do sit in on the PCI audits, and we are PII. You know, we're required to be PII compliant. We've done a great job of really um, consolidating all of the processing that takes place within secure AWS workspaces. So we've created kind of safe places for our work to to occur, um, but that are still manageable by us, and we maintain a high level of security around those. But information technology department at PushPay is absolutely involved. And a lot of the
0: auditing that takes place uh, from from outside parties. Awesome. So let's talk about you know SaaS. Are you guys totally serverless?
1: We are completely one hundred percent serverless today. That is right. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's typically the reaction I get when I tell folks that. And one of the things that I'll say is I kind of consider myself fortunate in in my evolution in my career and the companies that I've worked for. Um, because I, I kind of got eased into this idea of being serverless and, and everything being in the cloud. you know, Starting where I really consider that I really cut my teeth um, in IT would have been at uh, Perkins Coie, which is a, a large law firm in Seattle that has 19 offices across the U.S. and a couple in China. Um, because the legal and, and financial and medical industries, as we well know, are typically... Much slower to adopt new new forms and new waves of technology, and so everything there was on-prem or at least in a colo. Then I kind of got transitioned into this world a little bit in terms of moving over to like consulting company that had just shifted to O365. So I kind of got my first taste of SaaS and started learning a little bit about that and how to manage it. And then I um, find this opportunity at PushPay, and the anecdote that I love telling is you know, the job application said that I would be responsible for managing 130 SaaS applications. And when I was done actually doing an audit and capturing all the information, that number was north of 200. And so, yeah. and, and, And that right there is the epitome of the lack of understanding that so many companies have out there in the world in terms of what they're actually spending on SaaS. How
0: long did it take you to do that audit?
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. When I I came in um, in the fall of 2017, and one of the first directives early on from the VP that I reported to was this contract library that had been started in Salesforce, and we needed to go through and get updated contracts in there for everything, put renewal dates, put contact information, this, that, and the other. It was legitimately 40 hours of work a week for a month. To capture that information, and when I was done, I later learned that I still didn't have all of it. But I was really thankful for the work that I did manually. After we went out and got a tool, we got a we got a SaaS tool for our SaaS, uh-huh. um, and I'll speak a little bit on that more later. But I was thankful for the work that I did in terms of like the grunt work because it gave me an appreciation and a much more holistic and better understanding of what we had going on at PushPay. So that when I did get that tool to help me manage SaaS, I was able to weaponize it a
0: lot more quickly and a lot more effectively. So it was a full time job for a month just to do an audit. Yes,
1: sir. It was a full time job for a month. It was looking through Google Drives for contracts, chasing down people who had contracts in their email, trying to find vendor contact information. Um, you know, it wasn't for the faint of heart, man, to be honest with you. I had, had a lot of very frustrating moments going through that. And even even when I was able to kind of engage some some resources in the business that were kind of lower level just to help with the data entry piece, it still really turned out that you you needed somebody to be going through each bit who had a critical eye and a better understanding of the business holistically to be able to identify different contracts and, and vendors and things of that nature. And so a lot of that work just fell on me. But again, I, you know, I say this, I look back at it, and it was probably one of the more difficult things that I've ever had to do, just from the standpoint of how frustrating it was. Um, But I'm so glad to have done it. And today, because of that work that we've done, the Information Technology Department at Pushpay is viewed as the leader in SaaS procurement within Pushpay. And we're really looked upon as a resource as a result.
0: That's fantastic. I feel like that should be the first task in training a new IT recruit. And I say training, I also mean hazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's <laughs> funny when I was talking about um, earlier, that first IT job that I got at the car dealership, I remember showing up my first day. And, and as I mentioned, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. So I go to the my, my girlfriend's dad. And I was like, all right, I'm here. Like, what do you want me to do? And he hands me a clipboard and a piece of paper. And he says, inventory. start with inventory. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, so SaaS inventory is the new hazing, I guess, because, yeah, it's definitely
0: um, not great. Not great to have to go through that. I've actually done that. I had an intern, and I said, great, this office is a mess. Get to work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> thousand percent, man. That's oh, great. Man. All right. So um, you mentioned before that you're using a tool to keep track of all these SaaS applications. Is that a new... A bunch of tools that we're going to see in the market. Are there only one or are there multiples? What are we looking
1: um, at? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I um so we got on board with a tool called Zylo, Z Y L O, and I I will use this opportunity to pitch it. Um, just to say, I don't get any kickbacks or anything. I'm not endorsed, but um, I will tell you, man, it has just become a weapon within push pay. And the thing that was really interesting is I just attended Octane um, earlier this month. And a year and a half ago, when I was doing research around SaaS cost procurement, I'm looking out in the marketplace, and and there was a couple of vendors I was able to identify. Uh, The floor of Octane today had at least half a dozen of them. And so if you haven't already, as a leader in information technology, been hit up by these companies, you will be very soon. And there there are a ton of them out there. Um, and they all bring their pros and cons and all their different things. You know, the one thing I'll say is none of these folks were around when I was looking initially, Xylo was kind of like one of the first entrants into the market. Um, and I've not regretted selecting them for a minute. And I, I legitimately probably get a couple emails a month, um, from different vendors that do this, the same work, um, so yeah, if for an information technology, if you're a leader, be on the lookout because those folks are going to come knocking on
0: your door. Now, is that something that connects to your credit card and is just able to track or knows what the SaaS providers are and yeah, start putting that together for you? How's that work?
1: Yeah, so they actually will do um, They'll do an API hook into NetSuite and Expensify. And they're using G2 uh, Crowd to identify all the SaaS out there as their kind of back end database for it. And let's say, hypothetically, I were to get a rogue salesman that goes out and decides he wants to expense Evernote. As soon as that hits the Expensify account, I get an alert letting me know that so-and-so salesman is paying for Expensify, which is not an approved tool. So I'm able to go have a conversation with that individual. And so when you talk about SaaS spend, I I think it, it falls into a couple of really big, important buckets. Uh, the first is obviously the cost, right? Like when, when you're talking about a company having double the SaaS that they were aware of. But the second and and just as important, if not more important, is the security. Uh, because if you've got, you know, it's security and it's business operations. Because if you've got folks that are kind of going rogue and putting notes into their own systems, then they're not using core approved tools within the business. And and we're, we're missing, we're not capturing information. and And that's that's just a non-starter for us and so when we find these scenarios where folks are using other note-taking services or other marketing platforms that just aren't approved we're able to shut those down now cuz we're out ahead of them and so the you know the selling point for a, for a procurement discovery tool it it goes beyond just managing the cost it also comes into the fact that otherwise you'd have to literally comb every line of of payable accounts to, to identify SAS. And you know how these companies work, the expenses show up and it looks like something completely different than what the actual company is. It's a nightmare. And so this, this tool, the, the story I like to tell behind Zylo um, is I have a set of tabs that start up when I open Chrome and you know, you've arrived as a, a important critical tool to the business when you're one of the startup tabs and it's there now. It's a, it's an everyday, it's an everyday proposition for me. Nice. What does
0: something like that cost
1: so you know it's 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 a tough deal i can't we We got in very early and and so it's tough for Xylo because I know that they've they've grown and expanded and added customers. I think they do the pricing based on the number of employees you have in the business, and to be truthful right now if you're a medium sized business, you're looking at a thirty five k price tag per year, possibly even up to forty just depending on your employee count. But I'll tell you definitively that the ROI that comes out of that thing, strictly dollars and cents ROI is worth it alone. When you add the security element to it, it pays for itself, hands down. I mean, the, the, the platform has definitely paid for itself. We have we had a contract recently that, that had renewed and wasn't something that we wanted to renew, but we missed the window. And yeah, and it happens, man. It's a real thing. And now for us, we're able to get out ahead of those. And I love the scenarios where I get I get gratitude from my CFO from for catching this stuff, and he's just like, "Man, this is great that we have a handle on this. Thank you so much for putting these controls in place. You know, you know, it's fantastic." Now you take it a step further here at PushPay because we've done all this discovery, and we're starting to be seen as leaders around SaaS management. We actually were put in a position to help spearhead the procurement process. And so we were able to go out and work with legal and work with the engineering security team. And we created this entire intake form, an Asana project template, where we're tracking every every new contract and every renewal. And we have certain things within legal. For example, now we have it down to the point, our folks are trained to ask for the renewal clause to be removed before it even hits legal. Like this is the level that we're working at at Pushpay because we've educated the business and we've been able to do that
0: because we're seen as leaders and a trusted advisor in that space. I'd love to peek at that Asana board. <laughs> yeah, a
1: thousand percent. I'll send you a screenshot. That's, there's, no, there's nothing fancy about it. And that's that's the thing. It's got, it's got an initial review section, an IT section, a security section, and a legal section. And it's just within each section, there's a bunch of tasks. You check them off and, and you move on. And then the folks that are doing it on the back end are able to get um, are able to get um, visibility into it as well.
0: That's amazing, and I love Asana for tracking things like this. Just makes life so yeah. much easier. It's it's terrific. Honestly, you know, one of the things
1: that's definitely proliferated quite a bit um, in terms of SaaS at and Pushpay and a lot of companies and folks I've talked to is actually project management. Right. Everybody has a different project management tool that they like. I will say here, shameless plug for Asana. Now I feel like a walking advertisement, but um, <laughs> for the value for what you pay for Asana, I don't. I don't think you're going to find a better better project management and and task or organization tool out there.
0: I'm struggling with that decision myself. I've been using Asana since they started it over ten years ago. I've gotten countless people on uh, using it, and they to this day they still love it even though I haven't been consulting for them you know, in years, and they're, they're like, hey, I'm still using this. It's amazing. But for me, it, it feels like a hard sell because my bosses know what we're paying for G Suite, which is you know 10 or $12 a head, and Asana Business is $10 a head. And it's just like, well, we get all that from Google, and then well, how much are we getting from Asana? And I'm trying to work that in so that I can show them, look, we're actually able to keep track of things and get things done because we're using a tool to help us manage all of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't I don't want to volunteer to go talk to those folks that are that are questioning that, but <laughs> I would not like it. I don't know that I would like in G Suite and Asana. I mean, I think G Suite has a very, you know, Asana rather has a much more mature and refined process around workflows and notifications and cascading events that that G Suite is just so manual. So, I mean, look, you can project manage and organize things in G Suite if, if you're a smaller company, but if you're trying to scale and move fast and you've got a lot of moving parts, you need something. I, you know, And I think in our in our end here at Pushpay, like, we're not denying that folks need a project management tool. The thing I'm really trying to do is just get everybody to understand that you know the fewer tools we have, the fewer overhead we have. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about with that. We had recently... Um, one of our employees request a $2.99 tool out of the app store now i'll say this our folks are so dialed on our process that this particular individual put in a software request for a $2.99 tool and i was really glad to see that nice and when we came back and had the conversation it had to be a no on approving the tool at the it review level and and so From this employee's perspective, he's sitting there probably thinking, man, this is just a $2.99 tool. What is the big deal? But it's not just that. It's the fact that it has to go through a full security review, which has a value to the business. It has to go through a full IT review, which has a value to the business. It has to go through a full legal review, even though we know we're not going to get the creator, of this tool to redline the terms and services, we have to look and make sure that the business is protected and that this individual is not signing something that basically siphons off all of our information, right? And so so getting to that level of education around tools and understanding why, while there's like a plethora of tools out there that are available, being small in the offering that you give and, and selecting the right quality tool instead of giving everybody their own tool to use, Just drives so much more value on top of the fact that you're able to negotiate better rates when you're coming in bulk and all the other benefits that we already know about.
0: For sure. Sure. Uh, Take me further into the process when you're doing an IT review. What does that look like when you're reviewing a SaaS product?
1: So it's interesting because the the review on the IT side is not really that in depth, right? It's there's a couple of facets to it. The first one that's probably the most important is. Is there already a tool in the business that's approved that can do this? Right, that's that's easy, low hanging fruit. And you know, if the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, we move on. Some of the other things we look at are just, to be honest with you, one of the check boxes is is literally like the smell test. Like, does this look fishy? Is it from a reputable supplier? You know, doing a quick Google search. Because if there's anything really in depth, we have a great a, a great individual in security that tears these things apart. So is there a redundant function for the tool? Does it pass the smell test? And then I'm going to tell you what the biggest one is that's really interesting is we go to the department head to check and make sure there's budget. Because as an IT leader, how many times have you had somebody try to push through a tool and then all of a sudden after you've signed it or right before you're about to sign the deal, you find out that department head wasn't even aware of
0: it? Oh, for sure.
1: And and so that's huge. And we've actually mitigated a couple of reviews and, and stopped them dead in their tracks on that on that piece alone. And so it's it's starting to create a level of accountability and it's starting to create a level of awareness within the business that they understand, if I'm going to go ask for a tool, I better be sure that I need this thing. I better be sure I've got my budget. I better be sure that my higher ups know that I'm getting it. And I better be sure that this tool is going to be the right fit for the business because it's going to get a look. Now, here's the thing. Pushpay has scaled to where it's at because in our early years we had a lot of folks that were moving fast, working hard and they could go out and get the tools they needed and that's what contributed to our rocket ship growth. But at a certain point you le- you reach a level where you have to find that next phase of maturation and that's where we're at right now. We're kind of the rocket ship is kind of slowed down, it's kind of suspended in orbit for a minute. We're all catching our breaths. We're putting in, you know, we're doing systems checks. We're putting some process and procedure in place to get ready for that next ride. And so it's been fun helping educate the business and get folks aligned and doing it in a way that's meaningful. And truthfully, we've had a lot of really good engagement and a lot of really good success stories that have come out of this.
0: That's really crucial as you get ready to go into the next next, uh, phase. I'm doing that at my day job as well where we tripled the company in the last couple of years and we're real we're in real estate so we're owning and operating a lot of uh, um, multi-family homes and Mm -hmm. so that's basically apartment complexes and uh, we got so big so fast that we were just shipping computers and we were just getting things set up because every one of the uh, complexes has an office of its own and if it wasn't ready to go you know, we were we were really in trouble and we would just throw out whatever at it that we had. So now we're doing the same thing. We're going back, we're reviewing the processes that we have, seeing how we can make them more efficient. And um, that's one of the things that I'm looking at also personally is what SaaS products can we use to make this uh, automated and more seamless so that all we have to do is put together a couple of accounts and as long as they've got a browser uh, and an internet connection, they're good to go.
1: Yeah, you know, that... Um... That's a that was a big pain point when I initially started at Pushpay was that onboarding and the setting up of new employees. And you know, I think so many people outside of information technology and a lot of people within it don't really recognize the importance of that initial onboarding process. I'm really proud of the work that our team has done today. We have a A great kind of, his title is system engineer, but I kind of call him like my cloud mastermind. Nice. Um, Robert Johnson. Yeah, he, this guy has gone in, you know, we're leveraging tools like BetterCloud. We're really, you know, we're really invested. We're a heavy shop. We've done a lot of work to minimize the amount of manual work that needs to be done in the onboarding process. And then the other big thing that we've done, you know, getting back to the education around that SaaS management and everything is we went to human resources and we asked for a seat at the table in the initial onboarding discussion to do a 45-minute user education session around the technology, around our process, around our procedures. When we initially rolled out the SaaS procurement plan, what we did was we did what I like to call a little roadshow where we got coffee and donuts. We set up in the kitchen. It was myself my counterpart in legal, my counterpart in security, and we just sat down and, and drank coffee and ate donuts and answered people's questions. And were very transparent about that process. And we do the same thing for all new incoming employees as well, because we want them to be invested and involved in what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do for the business.
0: That's incredible, especially in today's day and age as we get more people that have possibly never used these tools before. A lot of the older generation or older style companies such as real estate or construction they generally have people that are saying yeah but I like Outlook when everybody's yep. on you know office 365 or on Gmail um, obviously with 365 you can use Outlook um, but it's it's not the same you know if you go if you go cloud first and you're looking at mobile first and you're looking at the ability to do everything in the cloud everywhere this is a very different mentality. Of the days when IT was stuck in the basement and nobody really wanted to have anything to do with them unless something was broken.
1: Right. Thousand percent. Yeah. And one of the things that we tell folks, you know, it's 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 just what you say. And it's not even, you know, it's it spans generations. It's just it's just a widespread deal for us. We're a Mac shop as well. And we're a G suite shop. So you talk about somebody that's coming from a traditional corporation and they walk into push pay and now they've been rocked on multiple levels. Right. And so, so to get out front in front of them, answer those questions. And then, you know, our guys within it that do those trainings, they know we offer up anytime you need help, throw in a ticket. We'll sit down with you for 30 minutes. We've had folks that have come in that will take 30 minutes a week Uh, for their first four weeks to just sit with one of our guys and go through and ask questions and make sure that they understand things. And those are the folks when they come in and they're initially scared by this new environment of G Suite and and Apple products, the ones that invest the time in learning and spending time with us, man, they succeed. They, They show themselves for who they are and they succeed. And the folks that just dig in and are super entrenched and just can't understand why we, we have to do things this way. You know, unfortunately they kind of self-select out and that's, that's a bummer that because we do make the resources available to them. Um, But that's just the way, that's just the way it works sometimes. And it's a good way to identify who's all in and who has the right attitude, to be honest with you. I think we in it, we get to see the best and worst of people at their best and worst (laughs) times, right? When things aren't going right and everything's, everything's wrong. You learn a lot about folks um, and it's just it's just a good unique situation to be in, and we're just trying to help make sure that we're enabling people to do their work, particularly at a place like PushPay, where their work is so important to good work being done outside by our customers.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's go back to the beginning when you're first looking at uh, a new SaaS product. Uh, are you involved in the negotiation process at all?
1: Yeah, that's it's an interesting point that you've brought up, and so. As we've ingrained ourselves more in this procurement process, what's also started to happen is we're starting to be seen as partners in this process. And this works out so beautifully for a lot of our folks in marketing and sales and engineering because they can start the initial conversation, do the demos, vet the thing, make sure it's the tool that they need. And then they can turn it over to me. And I don't know this AE, you know, these folks have built a relationship with the AE that's at whatever company we're looking at. And so there's a dynamic there. But then I get to come in and it's like, I don't have that relationship. I don't have that dynamic. The only the only card I'm bringing to the table is that I have a budget and I got to work to get this tool within this budget. And so what's happened is so many folks in the business are happy to turn over the negotiation of the contract because it's one less thing for them to do. And honestly, a lot of people don't like negotiating. I, for some reason, I'm not one of them. I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, But for a lot of folks out there, they don't like it. And so it gives us yet another opportunity to show value to the business and stay involved in the process. And we end up working so closely with legal on that negotiation anyway, because so much of the negotiating is not just even about the price. You're looking at renewal terms, you're looking at SLAs, there's so many other factors involved to that negotiation that an individual in sales or marketing or even customer success is not going to understand on the same level that information technology and engineering and security and legal will.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm a huge believer in the fact that IT leadership needs to be at any planning meeting and needs to have a seat at the planning table and the director's table and just be involved because IT is not passive anymore and it hasn't been for a long time and it's It's really difficult to get older style companies to realize that that's something that they need to have happening, is that we need to be involved at the very beginning because so many of the aspects of the tool that you're going to be using, even if it's a offline tool, usually they have online components and those things all need to go through IT. Now, personally, I'm the one who does all of the above. I often am the one that goes out and researches the tools, finds the tools, develops those relationships, and then starts the negotiation. So I would love to hand it off to you, but I don't have that luxury. So yes. what yeah. are what are some tips you would have for people like me? I mean, I've got my, my biggest trick is that I say, all right, well, the boss has to sign off on everything and he's a master negotiator. So anytime I go and meet with him, I always leave the meeting with, all right, find another way to get another 10% off. Just do it. And I'll warn them sometimes that this is coming, and that's usually involved in the negotiations. But what are what are some of your top tricks that you can offer out to our listeners? In terms of contract negotiation? Yeah, getting a good price or, or getting the features that you want. I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily even realize that the price is listed on the website is 98% of the time not the price you're going to pay.
1: A thousand percent. So okay, let's go with the low hanging fruit first. The 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 phrase I love to use. I'm 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 giving away a lot of my tricks here. So hopefully a lot of uh, account executives and sales folks aren't listening into this podcast. (laughs) But first thing off the bat, you know I love to use the little anecdote. Hey, I have I have a boss too, and if I don't push back and try to negotiate below sticker price, I'm not going to be able to look my boss in the eye, and that's usually good to buy me ten or fifteen percent off Mm -hmm. right away off the bat. Uh, Because you're absolutely right. What's listed on the website. That's just a starting point and a suggestion, but it's definitely just the jump off for the negotiation for sure. Um, other things, other tips and tricks I would look at if you know it's a core tool that you're really invested in. Um, Coming in initially and looking at one year, and then I love using this one. Hey, what kind of discount can I get if I was willing to sign for two or three years? Because most of these folks, as we all know, they want that annual recurring revenue, right? And so the way to do that is to lock companies into long-term deals. Now, what it does for for the company that's agreeing to it is it gives you a locked-in price on a tool that the high likelihood is that that sticker price is going to continue to climb. And so you're locking it in at great value. Absolutely. So that's, that's, that's always a really useful trick. Uh, when it comes to renewals, I got, I got this one the other day that, you know, I'll, I'll admit my um, the SVP that I report to, it's probably somebody that's taught me more about this than anybody else in my career. But um, you know, just reminding, reminding folks out there when you go to a renewal that your contract may have an escalation clause that caps the amount that they can raise the cost of the tool into the next year. And so be aware of those escalation clauses and, and know that so that you're able to use that as leverage. Uh, The other big one um, and coming back and bringing it back to Zylo kind of full circle is, you know, when you're looking at a contract and you're sitting there and you're like, you have a 30 day period where you have to, to let them know to cancel. Well, that 30 day period is great, but if you're going to come to them on, on, you know, 31 days out, and tell them that you're you're thinking about maybe canceling, you've lost leverage because they know they've got you because you got to make a decision or you're going to get hit with the auto renewal. So what we actually do is we have our tools set to alert us 90 and 120 days out. And what that enables us to do is go on the offensive. You would not believe how gratifying it is to send a customer success manager or an AE an email saying, hey, our tool is about to renew in June. We want to get out ahead of it. Let's talk. We want to come to the table and get this renewal lined up so that we're not under pressure as we come close to the auto renew period. Now, that does a couple things. First, it puts you in the position of, of being on the offensive, which is huge. But the second and more critical thing that it does is it actually gives you an opportunity to say, hey, do we need this tool? Are there better tools out there for a better value? And if we're looking four months in advance." We now have time to actually go out and do some proof of concepts and vet these other tools. And so when vendors learn that, you're, they, don't want, they don't even want somebody else to come to the table, so they'll usually be willing to work with you quite a bit more to, uh, to get a favorable price in that scenario. So I think those are probably honestly top of mind right now, the top three or four things that we've been using pretty effectively in Pushpay to really drive down our uh, contracts our contract values in the SaaS space
0: yeah that reassessment process is also really important once a year because this industry moves so fast and there's always constantly new companies coming out new products being released by them we're also seeing a tremendous uh consolidation that's beginning to happen you have companies like atlassian buying everything up google is bundling as much stuff as they can into g suite as possible you know they're they're just trying to expand for global domination of everything and so i've actually taken to putting uh, whenever I sign a contract to right away going to my calendar and putting uh, an event in my calendar for a couple of months right. before, you know, like you said, uh, before the 60, renewal. 90 days before the renewal. And that's really helped me to get ahead of a lot of these things. And um, I actually just got hit with one where I didn't do that because it was an, it was an old contract we had been with. Log me in for a long time and Mm -hmm. uh, you know we were using the tool we only had to renegotiate once because we like I said we tripled the company size and I get an email let's see it was oh I don't know it must have been a week or two before our renewal date which I didn't even blink or remember that was coming up at all telling us oh by the way you've been grandfathered in on this plan we killed the plan we're not giving you any way out and we're doubling your price and yep. it was already too expensive for us at that point, but I didn't touch right. it because it was something we were using. It was an old contract and it was just something that would be way too difficult to completely overhaul and put a new system in place. You know, it's worth just paying another, you know, two, $3,000 a year, whatever it was, just get that done. And I actually, I dropped them. I said, you're going to play games like this. Wow. You don't want us as a client. Fine. Done. And so we've been using, it's been tough but we've been using for remote access we just switched to using um google remote desktop which is now in beta and is a great little tool if it's installed properly but if you have users like mine who don't know computers hardly at all and can't actually be walked through downloading and installing a remote (laughs) access tool I'm pulling my hair out on a day-to-day basis and I'm working on a replacement Jesse, I've seen your picture you don't have a lot of hair to pull out you're kind of in my well that's mostly because I keep it shaved all the time I like it short (laughs) and you can blame the military for that also my wife likes it better that way so it's her fault (laughs) there you go but you know it is it's a long process getting these things started I'm
1: curious did they not come back to you and, and try to keep your business when you explained that situation? Because I ran into a similar scenario with another vendor who said, "Hey, we notified you guys that we were going to raise the rate 50 percent." And I just that was a hat in hand scenario. I said, "Look, you notified my predecessor. You didn't tell me, and I understand that's not your problem. I don't want to lose your tool. You don't want to lose my business. Can we come to the table and work on something?" And we we built out a framework by which we can get closer to where they're at pricing wise. But build it up over time instead of ripping the Band-Aid off at once. Were they not open to that conversation at all? So they
0: did. They came back and they said that they'll give me a 40% discount for the first year. Which, fine, okay. that'll help me to keep it going. But that's still more than what I was already paying, which was already too expensive. Right. And it was already too much. Exactly. So it was just a bad thing. And look, LogMeIn has done this before. It was 10 or ten or 15 years ago. Uh, they they were the, the best thing out there. And uh, it, they started to lag a bit and TeamViewer came out of nowhere and was incredible. And I mean, I wasn't so in on the enterprise side. I was much smaller, much younger back then, but from yep. to the to the rest of us, what it seemed like it looked like happened is LogMe and just priced everyone out of the bottom half of the market because they needed the influx yep. of cash and they boosted the hell out of their product. Now, they built an amazing company, an amazing product, but I know that they have a track record of doing this in the past, so was, I I just took the opportunity now to kind of jump ship and say you you've done this before, you're going to do it again. You obviously don't care about having a long term relationship with with companies like ours, and there right. are newer, better tools out there that are more integrated with other systems that I'd rather put my money into.
1: Thousand percent interesting that you say that. My my scenario was also with LogMe and, Um <laughs> I'm I don't know if you're aware, uh, they re- recently or not maybe not recently, but within. The not so distant past um, bought LastPass, and so that was actually the tool that I was referencing when I was talking about that. And it was in dealing with log me in, even though it was for their LastPass product. So
0: yeah, I feel that pain for sure. And that's you know that's a company style. That's you know a corporate structure. They're in it to make money, just like where our companies are are in it to make money. And uh, you know that's their decision. That's fine. But that's why yeah. competition is good.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say this, you know, you're talking about those tips earlier. I'll throw another one in that's really cool. So within, we're doing this within zilo Obviously you can do this in a spreadsheet, in a Salesforce report, however you want to do it. But one of the things that we're also tracking is just these types of things, these scenarios, and I won't give the name of this particular vendor, but we had a vendor that we renewed with last year. We made the payment, we signed the agreement the whole night. When it came time for the actual renewal date rollover, they had a mix-up in in accounting, and they didn't credit our account, and our service got shut off. Oh boy! And so I just I just went back to my my little entry for for their for their application within Xylo and I have a notes section, and I said, "Yep." So on this date, our service didn't work for this amount of hours because of this, and just made a note there. And those types of little things, those outages, those things that impact business productivity, all that stuff, you make note of that when you're coming back to do a renewal. Those are beautiful cards to play to remind folks that hey, yeah, your platform is great, but actually like these couple of things happen. So don't forget that there's other tools out there that we can also be looking at if we're going to keep experiencing these types of issues. So those come in well in terms of helping negotiate the price, but also just keeping the vendor accountable and reminding them that we have a system for tracking these things and and we're not forgetting when things don't go well. And you know, on our end, we recognize hundred percent uptime is impossible and, and and mistakes happen. This was a pretty big one, right? Like the contract had been signed. At the very least the courtesy could have been paid to reach out and say, Hey, you haven't paid yet. We're gonna turn you off. At which time
0: we would have said, Hey, actually we did pay and and maybe you should just leave our service on. So that's uh that's excellent advice actually. And I instead of using a spreadsheet, I use a sauna for that. I have I have a, a management board that's private to only me instead of the team or or uh, the company, and uh, one of the columns on there is contracts, and in there I just put a new, um, a note on it which is um, time stamped. and I just say, hey, this is what happened here and there. This is the person that I spoke to, and that way it's almost like a CRM for those issues and those those back and forth discussions with those companies. Yeah, that's great. And on top of that, it also, you know, if you have, like you were saying before, it's a security thing. If you've got all this information in one place, uh, you're able to know whether or not you're supposed to be paying things. We recently had a phone call came in. It was almost a perfect storm. Phone call comes into the front desk as I'm walking into the building at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. And the guy said that he was from the, the power company. And we've got power issues. Uh, well, I'm in Long Beach, California. The grid's about a hundred years old. It goes down all the time. And we've actually had, uh, with no warning, the entire office would be would be down for the whole day, and people would have would already be there and showed up, and the the power goes off, and that's it. We send everybody home, and so getting getting this phone call wasn't totally out of left field, and. Um, the number that he gave me to call back he said was billing and I'm starting to think to myself well it's a little bit weird that you're telling me to call billing because this is something that should be only involved with the contractors or the people that are shutting the power off why is this a billing issue but fine I went with it mm-hmm. and we we went around in circles and we also have pretty good tracking on the finance side so I was talking with my accounting team and we realized yes there was one check that we didn't pay but the electric company knows us they you know we we've been around for over 40 years we're not strangers and we've we're in, we're in totally good standing so what's going on here and it turned out it was fraud it was totally a well-done scam to the point where wow. when you called in to the number of the supervisor that I was given they actually had the exact cloned call menu as the electric company Jeez. and had we not had such a good track record of what bills we were paid and when and had we not had a system in place to say okay these are the people that are involved and have access to and then turned around and called the power company and said hey this is what we're being told can you confirm and they said no it's you're fine and even if you hadn't paid the bill you have such good credit like we'd give you a month or two you'd be fine
1: yeah so it's exactly <laughs> it. like these guys aren't gonna shut you down <laughs>
0: exactly and so we were able to to say save, save However much money the the guy was trying to get out of us, I think it was a couple of thousand dollars. And if we didn't have that tracking in place, we would have probably paid it.
1: Yeah, that's and that's well, there's a special place for the people like that. But yeah, (laughs) that's good on you guys for having that level of tracking. And sad to think and know that there's so many other
0: businesses that have fallen for that, unfortunately, that that have lost money to these folks. Absolutely. There's another one that I get all the time where it's a, a printer contract. And it looks convincing. Oh God, the printer contract. You know what I'm talking so, about. Oh yeah. It's always the same amount, by the way. The invoices are right. four seventy five twenty five, or four four twenty five point seven five. It's one or the other, and they're yeah. always for some brother, you know, whatever, whatever the model number is. And yeah. I have those in my fleet, and I've bought printers before, and they're sent to my properties, and. I just look at those and I laugh because I only do all of my printing is through one company and I'm not yeah. buying those printers through them and I know where I am buying them, but so many big right. companies get these and just pay them without blinking because it's a critical service. And you know what? You
1: said that, and that was
0: a really great point you brought up, and you can bring it back to
1: SaaS almost where if you have that that small, reliable number of of um of companies that you're getting these services from, these suppliers and you know them, you're less susceptible to things like that. I mean, you know, the amount of bills that probably get sent and paid by companies that don't need to, that cost would probably be staggering if somebody could pull those numbers together. Um, somebody just, some guy
0: just got caught. He went to jail for it. He had done it in the millions. No
1: kidding. Are you
0: serious? Yeah. I didn't even. It was one dude. That. I got yeah. to dig up the article on that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that's just it. And it's and and now I sit here, you know, and I tell people all the time when I talk about what I do at Pushpay. My 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 first job is to protect Pushpay. And one of the biggest things that I can do to protect Pushpay is to protect our money because that's the most important thing that a business has aside from customers, right? And so that's my job. That's 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 where I come in and that's why I do get these weird printer invoices and I do double check them and I do get you know, when I look and I see that we're paying for 120 Asana licenses, but we're only using 40. Well, man, that's a lot of money that, that we're just lot spending for no reason, right? License utilization, contract management, you know, knowing your invoices, knowing your suppliers, all of these things roll in to a very important responsibility for people in technology leadership to, to be stewards of and ensure that they're regulating tightly.
0: Yeah, it's not just about keeping the servers humming anymore.
1: That's it, man. Yeah. Especially for me, because I don't have any. <laughs>
0: Lucky bastard. <laughs> All right. We're coming to a wrap here. Do you have any final advice?
1: I would just say this. Honestly, final advice on SAS spend is take the time, dig through. You've got more than you think and create partnerships in the business. If you create partnerships in the business and start seeing viewed as a resource and, and somebody that can help, you're going to be less likely to have that shadow IT problem that that so many of us worry about.
0: That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't mind contributing on that one too because I have some thoughts around how, you know, this one, I'll just say last thing, shadow IT, your business is telling you something. Yeah. And I know it's not something that we want to see or hear, but the business is telling you something. Either they don't know that you can help them or you have not given the tool to do their jobs.
0: You hit the nail My on the head. Sense. Perfect. <laughs> Musa, this has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure.